smart for the shit start for it get dark for they hit you with the pitchfork better crit- good morning good afternoon good evening whenever and wherever you're listening to this this is a tic-tac-toe fantasy hockey podcast and i am one of the co-hosts michael clifford aka slim cliffy unfortunately adam daly's not really feeling up to snuff he was pretty sick last week and he's just starting to come around on the men this week so He's going to have to sit out tonight again, and that means you guys are just stuck here with me. So uh, this will be obviously a lot shorter than the typical 45-minute to an hour podcast that we have been doing. Um, but I still wanted to get something out there for you guys to listen to, um, whether it be on your Saturday morning commute or I know our American listeners are enjoying their Thanksgiving. So maybe uh, you're just coming through on, off your uh, leftover uh turkey hangover or whatever it may be so uh happy belated thanksgiving and i guess christmas is right around the corner now so let's look ahead uh to saturday night slate um now the first thing that people should know about the slate obviously is with all the games on friday night uh we have a lot of teams on back-to-back buffalo and toronto back-to-back washington detroit back-to-back carolina tampa bay back-to-back and on and on and on it goes now, the problem with back-to-back games, obviously, is that you don't get the morning skates. Now, morning skates is something that's kind of gone out of fashion. Uh, morning skates were a thing, you know, back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s when guys were going out and getting a load on every single night. That's not really the case anymore. I mean, guys obviously uh, do still go out and party, but um, it doesn't really seem it's to the extent um, of the generation before them or the generation before that now. You know, you see, hear lots of stories. I've, I've been reading stories, um, whether it's Patrick Laine or a couple guys from Winnipeg, and then I believe it was it was Blake Coleman and, and Pavel Zaka and a couple other guys from New Jersey. Um, like a bunch of them, you know, they get together on their teams and they play video games and stuff like that. So um, that's one reason why morning skates aren't a thing anymore. Another thing, I think coaches just hate them because um, really you're just getting guys out there uh, – you know just giving them for a skate you're not really doing anything you know most of the preparation that day should probably come from video sessions anyway but um, that's a long tangent uh, and neither here nor there but what it does mean is that uh, without those morning skates uh, maybe there's somebody that got banged up on Friday night that we didn't know about Uh, maybe somebody's sick Um, you know Jonathan Huberto if I'm not mistaken missed practice Um, on Friday he was sick now they expect him to play on Saturday uh, but again, um, that's something that we won't really know unless um, they do a full morning skate. Um, just something to watch out for. So, as always, be sure to keep it locked um, to Twitter. is probably your best resource for up-to-date information. If you go to Twitter, my Twitter account is at uh, Slim Cliffy. Um, and I have a Twitter list of 169 NHL beat writers. I think I need to trim it down a couple because I think there are some there that are, have moved on to other sports. Um, but it's a Twitter list that will get you all the information that is really possible to get um, outside of scouring um, some random news articles, maybe on NHL.com or something like that. So that'll be important uh, for Saturday night slate. So when I look across the slate, of course, we have all the back-to-backs. Now, the first game that I should say there are two games that jump out. The first first game that jumps out to me, obviously, is Calgary at home to Ottawa. Um, Calgary has been has been in a lot of turmoil this week, obviously, with head coach Bill Peters, uh, with the racist remarks that he made um, years ago in addressing him towards a black player. Uh, he was fired on Friday, but the team was kind of in limbo all week. You know, it seemed almost impossible that Peters wouldn't get fired, but you know they kind of dotting the I's and crossing the T's with the lawyers and all that. 
So, um, the thing with Calgary is Calgary's top line is back to being Gojo, Monaghan, um, and Lindholm. They had been mixing it up some, but that's been uh, the line in the last few games, and that's what it was in practice on Friday. Uh, their price has gone down considerably. Um, they're 17.1K. This was a line last year, like when they were rolling, was close to 21K. Um, and there were certainly times this year where they're in the 19 to 20,000 range. So 17.1, like 17.1 is probably like a good second line. That's what they're being priced as. This is a good second line. And they're at home to Ottawa. Obviously, we know how bad Ottawa is defensively. Like they're not atrocious. They're not the 2015 Buffalo Sabres or something. Um, but they are bad. And they do take a lot of penalties. They're amongst the most penalized teams uh, in the league. So, um Calgary's problems uh, with Peters had typically been too many shots from the point, too many shots from the boards. Um, does that change uh, now under the new coach, uh, under the new coach who had been an assistant coach under Peters? I believe his name was Jeff Ward. Um, whether that's going to be the case or not remains to be seen. But um, that top line's problems this year has been getting shots, you know, in the slot down towards the front of the net, which wasn't a problem with them last year. If you look at the heat maps. Uh, from last year, it's basically just a river of red starting from the high slot going right down um, to the front of the net, and that's where they're all their, where they're generating all their sh all, the, all their shots, and that's obviously where you want to be generating most of your shots, and that's why they did so well last year. Um, the rest of the team not as much, but that top line certainly um, that hasn't been the case this year. They're getting some shots from. You know, the tops of the circles, maybe a little bit in the high slot, but it's been pretty much a dead zone in the mid to low slot, and they're getting a lot of shots from the point. Now, shots from the point obviously are not a good thing. You know, old school coaches might might preach them once in a while, or more often than they should, you know, look for deflections and rebounds and tips and stuff like that. But the fact of the matter is, the numbers don't bear that out whatsoever, and you're, you have a much better chance if you can complete two, three, four, five passes in the offensive zone and that's what calgary's top line has typically done so well um you know whether they rebound or not you know they're due for some positive shooting per percentage regression which is obviously a good thing for the balance of the season um whether things change under the new coach remains to be seen um but it's just the price and matchup here right um i i assume they'll be somewhat popular because of the matchup um but at 17.1k at home against at home against Ottawa, sorry, um, I don't see how you can pass this up. Um, they're probably gonna, like I said, they're probably gonna be pretty chalky, maybe around 15%. That's just my guess, um, which is significant for an 11-game slate. Um, but I I think it's pretty hard to to move on from them. I could see you know maybe dipping down to the backland line or something like that. Um, maybe you want to add. Uh, Matt Kachuk in instead of Lindholm because, you know, Calgary's certainly been screw screwy with their power plays. Uh, in the past, we've seen them uh, in very recent uh, games. <laughs> I, I honestly can't believe they were doing this. But in very recent games, um, using Milan Lucic on the top power play unit, that changed last game. They went back to Elias Lindholm, but uh, Matthew Kachuk still makes a living on the power play. So if you want to replace... Um, Lindholm with Kachuk to try to differentiate a little or maybe just add in Kachuk period and just go with a full power play stack. I have no problem with that either. Um, Calgary one is definitely going to be on my radar.
the next next team that I'm also going to be uh, looking at is definitely the Florida top line. Uh, they're at home to Nashville. Florida was one of the teams that did not play on Friday night, so they're not going to they're not going to have um, that back to back to worry about. Uh, they did get in a full practice today, which is good because you definitely want that after everybody ate all that turkey and drank all that booze on Thursday night. Um, as I mentioned, Jonathan Huberto didn't practice. They said he was sick. They said he's supposed to play Saturday. I imagine we'll know more Saturday morning when they do have a morning skate. If it's not a full morning skate, um, then certainly an availability with the coach or something like that. Um, Evgeny Dodonov was back on the top line. Uh, skating with Barkov in practice. Um, it had been Mike Hoffman there at times over the last few games, but it is the Donoff now. Um, the Donoff's up back on the top power play unit with them. Again, in that top line is 18.8K on DraftKings. So they're not, you know, that 20, 21K where they really start to limit what you can do with the rest of your roster. Now, I expect them to be matched up against Nashville's top line and Nashville's top line um, since... Victor Arvidsson's injury, should I say, Victor Arvidsson's, uh, what was it, he's nearly cut in two, uh, down in front of the net, getting taking cross checks from Robert Bertuzzo, so I was going to say, you know, he's almost split in half by a great broadsword, but um, maybe that's a little bit dramatic. Nashville's top line, uh, which should see a lot of the Barkov line, like, they're not bad defensively, but they're about league average. And league average isn't very good when you consider the Nashville Predators are actually one of the better defensive teams this year. Now, there certainly have been defensive lapses, and the goaltending hasn't been very good by and large. Um, but defensively, the team themselves has been pretty good. That top line with Yarncroc there instead of Victor Arvidsson uh, really hasn't been. So that's something that Florida can take advantage of. And, and Florida's top line, their expected goals for... Uh, per 60 uh, are, is super high. It's at 2.9. Uh, league average is about 2.24. So they're, th I think, three standard deviations above the mean, which means they're uber elite. Um, and that's just a sample of 230 minutes from this year. That's You, you can go back, you know, three years now. Um, in that line, it's just been great. Uh, Nashville has... That line has perfect power play correlation. Nashville... Hasn't been very good on the penalty kill this year. Now, saying they haven't been good on the penalty kill comes with a little bit of a caveat. That caveat is uh, their save percentage on the penalty kill is by far the worst in the league. <clears throat> like, we're talking somewhere near 780, uh, while the rest of the league is, you know, somewhere in the 840, 850 range. Um, every other team is over 800 on the penalty kill, while... Uh, Nashville sits at 780. So that's going to regress positively for them. I just hope it doesn't happen, uh, particularly particularly in this game. Uh, so that's one more team that I like, the Florida top line of Barkov, Huberto, and Dodonov. Finally, uh, the last team that really sticks out to me on this slate. Um, now, the Winnipeg top line. Um, here's the thing. is Their metrics aren't really that good. Um, if you look at the expected goals, uh, they're sitting at about 2.1 uh, expected goals for per 60 minutes, which isn't great. If you look at their Corsi 4, um, it's at like 50 or 51. At least it was Friday before their game started uh, per 60 minutes, which of course is not great either. Now, here's the thing is that they have two pretty unique talents on that first line. The first one being Patrick Lyonet. This is the guy that's single-handedly breaking all the expected goals. 
uh, metrics because expected goals typically the way that it's measured is you look at historical scoring rates based on shot location and shot type. So a wrist shot from the top of the right circle or a backhander from the left side of the crease or et cetera, et cetera. Patrick Lyonne makes a living uh, about five feet back from the tops of the circle or three feet back, whatever you want to say. And usually that's not a good place to score. Like if you look at, I'll give you one example, Philadelphia's power play. Philadelphia's power play has been pretty bad these last couple of years. And if you look at their heat maps, that's exactly what they're doing. They're shooting from about three feet behind the circle, whether it's Giroux, whether it's Voracek, whether it's whomever. Um, that's what Patrick Liney does, but his shot is so absurd that he can score with relative consistency from that area, which is something nobody else can do. And that's why I say he breaks expected goal metrics. So he's a unique talent in that sense. Mark Shifley is not a guy that really drives shot differentials. Like Sidney Crosby drives shot differentials. Patrice Bergeron drives shot differentials. Anze Kopitar drives shot differentials. Mark Shifley doesn't. He's pretty good driving um, offense, pretty bad defensively, at least below average. Um, but he's so skilled, and he has such great chemistry with the guys he plays with. Right now it's Line A and Connor. Um, it's traditionally been Connor for like three, four, three years now. Um, usually it's been Blake Wheeler, but uh, they have Line A up there instead right now. It's just that his skill... He's so good at moving the puck with finding players, anticipating the play. I mean, you can see that in some of the underlying numbers, whether it be zone entries, zone exits, shot assists, and stuff like that. Um, that he can drive goals. And it's not often you can find a player that can drive goals but not drive the play. Mark Shifley's one of them. Um, a guy we just talked about, Alexander Barkov, he's another. Now, he's better defensively than Shifley, so that it's kind of cheating. But at least earlier in Barkov's career, that certainly was the case. Max Domi is like that in Montreal. He's not a guy that really drives shot differentials either, um, but he does drive goals. So these players do exist. They're just rare. Uh, but Mark Shifley's one of them, and he has the wonder shooter beside him uh, in Patrick Laine. So that's why their metrics look bad. Um, but it doesn't really scare me from going into Los Angeles. Like Los Angeles is not the same team that they've been um, certainly four or five years ago. Uh, like the defensive metrics look fine, but the top line is below average defensively, and Shifley's line should see a lot of that top line. Um, Los Angeles, they have a good penalty kill, but it's misleading. They have a good penalty kill in the sense that they don't allow much from the middle of the ice. Like if you look at a heat map um, of shots allowed on the penalty kill, and I, I, I get those from hockeyviz.com. Mike and Blake McCurdy runs the site. It's just a $5 a month donation, and it's just really invaluable for my work. Um, if anybody's out there interested in hockey or, or specifically uh, sh charts, you know, charts and visuals and um, looking at hockey a different way other than just uh, pure numbers, taking those numbers and making it visual for people, um, I very much recommend going and check out his site. Anyways, Los Angeles, as I mentioned, does not allow a lot of shots from the middle of the ice but they allow a ton of shots from the tops of the circles. And on the penalty kill, if you allow a lot of shots to Patrick Lyonne, your team's going to have a bad time. So I'm hoping that this, this pattern holds true for this game. 
I mean, Winnipeg's the last game of the slate. I think it's an uh, 11.30 start, Atlantic, 10.30 Eastern, um, which means hopefully they don't see a lot of ownership on a Saturday night. Um, they're on the road back-to-back, -back, um, 18K on DraftKings. They won't be popular at all. I, I'd be shocked if they're 5%. Um, so they're going to be one of my favorite high upside, low ownership lines on the night. So uh, the three lines that we have uh, mentioned so far are Calgary's top line, Florida's top line, Winnipeg's top line. Uh, as always, be sure to check on Twitter to see if there are um, any updates. There are going to be loads of updates all throughout Saturday, so be sure to check Twitter. Um, you can find me at Slim Cliffy on Twitter. Um, you can find my my NHL list under my name, which is even more important. It's more important than it is. To, my, my NHL list is more important to your DFS than my Twitter account is. Let's put it that way. So um, hopefully we can get Adam back here next week. Hopefully we can get him feeling a little bit better. Um, that's it for this week. Thanks so much for listening. Um, this has been the Tic Tac Toe Fantasy Hockey Podcast.